Hello. Hi, John. Oh, hi, Merlin. Oh, hi. How's it going? Well, today's off to a whiz-bang start. Whiz-bang. Tell me more. Well, I woke well, up and, I, you know, I went to the store yesterday working off of a shopping list that, that was made by a committee. Oh, no. You're doing but, an errand. Yeah, but coffee didn't get included on the, on the list. So I woke up this morning and ba-ba-na-na-na. You uh, got no coffee. One of the uh, one of the, the other people that lives here took the the last cup of coffee from yesterday, and didn't make any more because there wasn't. There was just a little bit, so I made a little bit of a half half pot. But then um, the filter uh, uh, fell over halfway through. Oh no! Because it wasn't full, or it was I don't know why. Just one of those things. So then the now the coffee's all full of crumbs. Like, detritus yeah and so anyway that's how that's how you know as you know yeah. <clears throat> my my day doesn't start much before we start recording huh. so i didn't have a lot of, i didn't have any good experiences today uh, yet to to offset oh i want to pump you up i want yeah, to pump so, you up so i want today I, to be I, a good I, day i lose a couple week I, I lose at least a couple week to uh to some kind of filter breach and, and it always bums me out it feels like this is something i should have mastered by now uh, a cup a week. Well, to a, see, to a filter the, sometimes it's a breach of my own fault where I get a little careless and I overfill. I'm a oh, slow pourer. Yeah. I like to pour mm -hmm. slow and I stir. Oh, so anyway, I do that. You know, I use one of those little uh, one off dinguses. Right. A dingus. Um, yeah. We're not a pot family anymore. Um, but I'll get a little bit ambitious, and maybe I stir too hard. Maybe I pour too much. Maybe I care too much, but it'll yeah. go over the edge, and that's on me. Sometimes, though, you know, in a pinch, I've got an off-brand non-Melita filter. Maybe oh. it's good for the environment. There's a brand called, uh, what's it called? You don't really care. If you care, if you care brand. That's what it's called? I think so. I think it's called um, If, if you, you Care. I want to I get this right, because it is a very, it's a wonderful, passive-aggressive Yes, if you if care. You care. Yeah. What is that? What is what? If you care about what? If it's, how, it's green. Oh yeah, yeah. If you care. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I get a breach sometimes because it's green, and that's how you know it's green. Is it's you know it's not as good. But yeah, uh, no, I'm true. so sorry. You know what they say: <laughs> three is two, two is one, and one is none. Is what they say. And, <sighs> and if it's something that I care a lot about, I I do follow that. I get yeah. I get coffee by the case. If it's three is one, three is then two. two is one. Two, if, 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 okay, so coffee is to morning as the mm. best part is to waking up. Oh, oh yeah, right. Well, uh, wait a minute. He, he never asked for a second cup of my coffee. <laughs> Pretty sneaky, sis. <laughs> <laughs> See, my day's improved. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Well, yeah, that's um, nice. Remind me just real quick in passing. I got, I got a lot of stuff here. Go on. Remind me just real quick in passing. Don't feel the need to give a long response on this unless you okay. want to. Okay. What remind me where you stand on Rush? Oh, on Rush. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel you know, like I feel like you maybe don't like them. I think Eric likes them. Well, so Eric Eric really likes them, and Darius, mm -hmm. uh, the uh, former, um, uh, and by former I mean formerly alive drummer of the Posies, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Darius Minwala, who died uh, suddenly. At a very young age, mm -hmm. a few years ago, yeah, you, you think about that. Yeah, because Darius was very close to uh, to us all, yeah. right? He was like very. We were. He was our guy. Darius was 
ridiculous about Rush. He was like, did he ludicrous. like the later stuff too? Everything. Really? If you got into Darius's truck on the wrong day, you might <laughs> listen to Roll the Bones. <laughs> you well later than that. You oh, might man. you might listen to I don't even know I don't even know a joke to make after Roll the Bones. But here's the thing about listening to Rush with Darius. He it, you would listen to it very loud. Mm-hmm. And then he would be shouting at you over it about how amazing it was. He wanted you to hear every symbol hit. You know, he would. Oh, I'm the same way. You know. I'm the same way. But Eric Corson, who mm-hmm. used to live with Darius and also feels this way about Rush, Eric is someone who can air drum to Rush with such a with such conviction. Yeah. That you really do feel the hits. You know, like you you see in yeah. his air drumming, you 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 picture solid drums because he. He's, he's, done, that, he's done it so many times. Done it and so he, many times. He, he, he hits it even when it's like the little symbol or the gong or the chimes. Like he gets he knows. it all. He knows every little thing. That's amazing. So there were times on tour in the long winters because, of course, Nabil also – Nabil is someone Wasn't it who kind loves. of like – didn't you guys do like – was, was it Spirit of Radio? Is something from the early 80s. Like would yeah. be like a sound check song? Yeah, yeah. They would just launch into it. And the thing is I can't – you know, like Alex Lifeson <laughs> – like. I've seen your he, fingers. <laughs> uh, of the three, of the three dudes, Alex Lifeson is the one that maybe has the fewest number of like cultists. Mm-hmm. Right there, are the, there are lots of culty Rush people, but I, I've never understood what he was doing exactly, and I've, I've certainly never spent a lot of time sitting and thinking or pl- learning to play it. So mm-hmm. they would start to play it, and it's like very identifiable immediately mm-hmm. as Rush. I could do the lyrics a little bit, but but uh, but after a while, it was like. That yeah. was their way okay. of All right. take, taking charge. But my rush experience is, I think, like a lot of people my age, um, I was, what, in... Seventh grade. <laughs> Tom Sawyer gets high on um, I was... The dudes, the, the older dudes who had already had marijuana mm-hmm. uh, were listening to 2112 when I was... In freshman year, which at that point was was had been around for a few years, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and it was you know this was uh, it was it was scary sounding you know it was scary rock it wasn't mm-hmm. scary rock like uh, th- this was this was before there was a lot of uh, you know fake scary mm-hmm. this, it wasn't this, devil music but it felt no. like it had some dark some black magic in it oh yeah really you know it was wizard Max. rock wizard rock in a lot of ways that's right it was and, and yeah. you know back when we believed in wizards oh god yes yeah so my, my daughter re- has only very recently entered the stage where she can think she can move things with her mind and I, oh. and both her mom and i her mom and i both were like honey you have no idea how normal that is. Everybody goes through a phase where they think they can move things with their mind. I've heard all three McElroys talk about it. Uh, I know it's true for me. I yeah. thought I could do so. I, 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 conjuring an orb, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But I think every kid goes through that. And I think everything rushes there for you. While you're sitting there, maybe you're burning incense. Maybe you got a black light. But you're definitely listening to Rush 2112 in Xanadu, State League Pleasure Dome did Kublikan Decree. You, you're sitting there, Xanadu, <laughs> concentrating. Maybe you can see, you can't see it, but I've got two fingers against my temple, Professor uh-huh. X. You're like, come on, just move, just move a little bit. <laughs> I don't want to go get the bit. water, bring it to me. I saw Uri Geller on, on Nova. Oh, sure. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I wanted to go to the temples of Syrinx. Yeah. You know, I didn't know if I wanted to be a priest right away, but like I wanted to... 
you remember? Do you remember when you first saw the movie Heavy Metal? Yeah, I kind of do. Was it on Night Flight? It felt kind of Night Flight. I, I wanted to like it more, but I really I liked some of the music from it. I'd heard some of the music from it. So the first time I saw it, mm-hmm. uh, it had just come out, and it was a double feature with Tommy. Wow. <laughs> at at in the rec hall of the university of Alaska. And it was kind of the first time, like some, we were in what? Seventh grade. 1981. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So it would have been, it would have been seventh. Well, yeah, it could have been spring of seventh or fall of eighth grade. Some friends of mine, uh, like cooked up this thing. Like we're going to go to this, this movie showing at the university of Alaska and they got the parents to sign off on it mm-hmm. because it was at the college and it was really just all just, it was like just a bunch of college kids sitting on the floor of the gym, watching these movies, uh, um, you know, on a pull down screen. And of course it was, this was 1981, right? They were all, uh, they were all hopped up on goofballs. Mm-hmm. They were, all, you know, they had the wacky tobacco. Yep. 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 And, uh, and we were in seventh grade, you know, sitting there kind of on some sleeping bags that we brought and, and, um, heavy metal, the movie like really freaked me out, tripped me out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'd never seen anything like it. Of course, there's some, there's some adult themes mm-hmm. I was surrounded by. It was, a, uh, it was ahead of its time. I mean, there are some kids that will, uh, oh, what was that MTV show? Liquid TV or something like that. Or Eon Flux. Like those, I think that you can trace some of the, obviously some of this you can trace back to like the Ralph Bakshi's and the crazy, some of the stuff you like, there are crumb yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, Fritz the cat. But you're used to, let's state the obvious, which is that a, a person of our age had grown up watching, in my case, you know, Overture, Curtains, Lights, This Is It, will Hit the Heights. You know, you watch a lot of Bugs Bunny, you watch some Disney, and it was unusual to see animation that was this fucked up. Uh, on with the was, show, this is it. It was not just the thing is the animation was kind of bad too, like jer- herky jerky, mm-hmm. and it was like not. It didn't have the smooth the uh, style that we were used to. It was like irk mm-hmm. irk irk, mm-hmm. and um, and yeah, lots of lots of crazy occulty uh, adult, adult, kind of adult themes, right? With the uh, with the uh, with heavy metal music playing in a lot of cases, um, and uh, boy that. It made a it made an impact, especially since um, the uh, the movie Tommy did uh, not make any sense to me. Um, it's not a great movie. It's not a great movie, and by that point in time, I'd already seen one movie. It's like when Nelson Muntz goes to see Naked Lunch and walks out and says something like, "I can think of at least two things wrong with that title." Like you see Tommy and you're used to listening to the record and you see it yeah. and it's like, it's so, it's really stiff in a lot of ways. Yes. It's it just the whole, the whole staging of it. It doesn't feel very luxe as a production. And it's, there's a lot of Roger Daltrey wandering around going, huh, huh, you know, and yeah. Tina Turner, well, Tina Turner's very good in it. Tina Turner's a, a really excellent, but, um. Oh, doesn't that have Anne uh, Margaret? It does. Oh. And Margaret, of course, stealing the show. Mm. But no, it Tommy's the, Tommy's mom? The, it has it has Elton John in it. Elton, uh, yeah, but yes, he's, that's Tommy. Elton John should stop covering things. Just let Bernie oh, run the show. Ouch, ouch. No, let Bernie run the show. Ouch. Well, I mean, his Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. 
Okay, but that's a bad choice of song. Mm. The Pinball Wizard? That's a terrific song, but that's a guitar a song. It's not a piano song. Yeah, well, right, all right. But he, you know, the thing about Elton John is he always had the good sense to have a guitar player there. Oh, that is really sensible. You know what I mean? He he's always a had show, a He's a showman. I, I've, I've done a deep Elton dive in the last yeah. few weeks. I've become extremely obsessed with the song Tiny Dancer, mm. which I have declared to be a Mona Lisa of its time. True. In the sense that it's so easy for somebody of my age and generation to have completely lost what an exquisite song that is. It just becomes like the air that you and I'll, and I'll tell you, that band Florence and the Machine do a cover of it. Ooh. ooh. Really? Oh, it'll curl your tears. It's 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 just it's such he Bernie Taupin was such a good lyricist. Everybody calls an Elton John song, Elton John this, Elton John that. A lot of what you remember are those wackadoo lyrics. Those lyrics are weird. Well, you know, some of those lyrics are a little bit. I'm not talking about Tiny Dancer. I think mm-hmm. Tiny Dancer lyrics are yeah, great. Yeah, but some but, of the know, stuff from like Goodbye Yellow catalog. Brick Road is pretty weird. Yeah, like he's got some, some weird lyrics. Some lyrics where you're like, hmm, oh, is that was that your first draft? Yeah, but, you no, know, I no. that way about a lot yeah. of things. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. But so, so uh, Rush scare scared me. Okay. Oh, and hey, the, you brought a hat. You know, <laughs> you did it. It's kind of what I did. Hey, you! Uh, wow! You. Wow! Thanks. Thanks. Oh my God! For for having having Thanks. coffee with crumbs, you kind of nailed it. You brought it back <laughs> around thirteen minutes. God damn. <laughs> So, uh, yes, well, and I'm wearing, you know, I got my hat with the scrambled eggs on it, so. Okay. Um, <laughs> what, I, uh, like a cat, like a Commodore hat? Yeah, the Commodore. That's that's the hat that I put on when I bring it, when I finally bring it back around. You know, Commod- the, you, Commodore Schmidlap. You know when you see Commodore Schmidlap and he's trying to bring his boat into the, he's trying to bring his boat into the berth and you're like, how's yeah. he doing that? He, he just, he gets it in there. <laughs> he can't get rid of that bomb. Um, okay, so, so they scared they were, you because it's wizard rock. That's what stipulated. And also the kids that were listening to it, you know, they had chew cans in their back pocket. They sure. were they had, you know, they were a little bit harder core. Uh, they, they tucked their t-shirts into their jeans. They had they played mm-hmm. uh, you know, they they like I don't know what, man. You know, they just had that big, big, uh, that big thing. watch band. I, there's also a lot of overflow between I think because of the iconography alone uh, in my junior high, there was a lot of overlap between the Rush people and the Judas Priest people. Well, and the Blue Easter cult thing. Oh, you know, they, Blue- it's all, yeah, all those Umlauts. They were in, uh, what is it? Uh, oh, Veteran of the Psychic Wars. That was in uh, the heavy metal soundtrack. Yep, 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 yep. They were fun. They were fun and funny. You know, they uh, they uh, they work with the uh, Patty Smith. No. Yep, 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 really? yep, 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 yep. They, uh, they, she wrote lyrics for some of their stuff. No kidding. I had no idea about Blue that. Blue Oyster Cult was, I think, a little bit misunderstood by the young kids. They didn't realize Blue Oyster Cult was having fun a lot of the time. Well, see, no. And in fact, one time I was over at Matt Olness's house. Matt, uh, this is that same year, maybe seventh grade. And we were doing the things that young kids do. We were, you know, we uh, we put his cat inside a beanbag chair. We uh, <laughs> we. We were uh, setting off fire, Maybe fireworks. I in the house. hated that. There's, it was full of staticky styrofoam oh, beads. The cat, oh, the oh cat no! So when it came out, it must have been so sad. It was really, it was really upset. And then I think Matt was also the guy. Matt was a little bit of a sadist. Matt, Matt, Ooh. I think uh, put uh, put tape on the cat's paws. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay, terrible, okay. All right. Terrible things. But also fireworks in the house. I mean, we were bad kids. Fireworks in the house. Okay. And uh, and uh, we were also giving ourselves like shaving cream mohawks. Okay. Um, you know, we were in. We were in danger of um, of going the wrong way in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt's a doctor now. He worked for the National Health Service for many years as a doctor. And uh, until I believe at one point we were sitting and talking and I was like, so you're in the you're in the like Surgeon General's office. Like, do you have a rank? Because he's a general. 
or she's oh. a general, right? I, so I, have, like, I have a friend from college who was one of the, I mean, like not a dear, dear friend, but a dear friend who, yeah. um, I hadn't talked to since college until I saw him testifying before Congress in a military uniform. Yeah. And now that, he is a, he is a uniformed man of dignity mm-hmm. in the armed well, forces. Nice. No, he's got, he's like, I think he's like a colonel. Yeah. Well, I don't so know that, how the fuck that happened. This is years ago, and I was like, "Are you some kind of surgeon, surgeon major?" <laughs> and and Sur- he said, "That's." I guess you got to have a. I mean, if you've got a surgeon general, yeah, it you implies you got some surgeon, surgeon sergeant. Do you, have, do you have a surgeon yeah. sergeant? Well, no, I, I don't think you can be a surgeon and a sergeant. Okay, you know that just that just goes without saying. That you, you can be an officer that, uh, and a gentleman. You can, but, but you have uh, to be officer class. You you couldn't have a uh, a a surgeon warrant officer. No, no, that's just I that's too close. So. That's too you you got to become at least a second Louis surgeon. Even then, I think okay. if you graduate from medical huh. school, I think you start as a captain. The doctors are captains. Look at Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah. you don't want a surgeon surgeon sergeant. Okay, Frank. I mean, Frank just, was a major. That, He's the, probably the, a surgeon the, the major. McGrath used to say that. <laughs> no, no surgeon sergeants. He <laughs> no, always always pointing out the implausibility of Mesh. But, uh, but yeah, Matt, even then, and this was hmm. a long time ago, I think he, Matt looked at me cause he always, you know, like he, he's, he would, he would take tape of cat's paws. Like this is the type oh. of thing that he would look at you. He'd give yeah. you that look where you're like, fucking don't tape my yeah, paws, you, you, please. You get canceled for that today. And he would say, um, he, he, he said something like, yeah, I have the rank of a brigadier general or something like that. And I was just like, great. dokey. Anyway, we were sitting in his room listening to 45s. And we li- and he had a he had a Blue Oyster Cult, uh, forty five. Earn for you. And um and we listened to it and then he said, he's an intense guy. He mm. said, uh, you know this music is you know Blue Oyster Cult is uh, they're Satan worshippers. Yep. And I was like, well, I don't know. I they don't, don't, they know don't let you have that umlaut unless you're a Satan yeah. worshipper. I said, I don't, I don't know anything about that. And he said, well, look. And he showed me the upside down. Um, the cross thing upside, with the hook. The, well, it's like an upside down question mark with a cross on it or, and with a dot. Yes. And he was like, you know, that's the symbol of Satan. And I was like, well, <laughs> well, I, did, I don't know. I love the days before the internet so <laughs> yeah. much. Well, and, and then I, that would just that would just that, that's just dry tinder for children. That yeah. you're going to tell everybody you know about that. And I didn't know. I mean, I, <laughs> you know, I, I was a precocious child, but I didn't have an older brother, and mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about rock, or certainly not like wizard rock, or uh, definitely not about Satan. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, uh, it's about oh Satan, huh? And mm-hmm. he was like, <clears throat> he was like, yeah. Um, and he, you know, and he showed me the guy with the three balls on the Blister Cult record, and mm. the guy with the, you know, like all the kind of puppet the guy you get with Rush. You get the guy with the butt walking into the star, right? All mm-hmm. that stuff. And I was like, geez, you know, scary. Yeah. And then, and then Matt, you know, then we're in seventh grade, right? And I think we actually had shaving cream must uh, shaving cream mohawks as we were doing this. Wow. <laughs> uh, he said, he said, um, I renounce Satan. And he took the 45 off the turntable and broke it, like shattered it against the edge of his bed into a hundred pieces. And like without, without losing eye contact with me. And that's intense. It was super intense, especially since the one thing I did know was that a 45 cost money. And that that was was probably at least a dollar 50. 
he had just broken a dollar fifty right in front of Oof. me, which which seemed like lighting a cigar with a hundred dollar bill. And I was just like, whoa, you know, like Matt renounces Satan. And I was also a little worried about that because what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. who who does he follow now? Uh, right. All all this stuff was new. It was all new to me. And so for a long time, I couldn't listen to Burning for You mm-hmm. um, or whatever the song's called yeah. without without getting scared about... Um, no time to play B-sides. Yeah, I know, mm-hmm. right? He had broken the B-side and the A-side. B-side and the A-side. <laughs> so, uh, so, but you know, But he Matt, did it like Michael Corleone. That's so cool. Yeah, just like... Whoosh. Wow. So, uh, so I was scared of Rush until my friend Kevin Horning, mm-hmm. who's who reappears on the show periodically, said, because uh, Kevin was somebody that like helped me. He shepherded me through uh, hard rock in the early days because he wasn't judgy, right? A lot of a lot of guys, if you if you said like, oh, I've never heard about that, they would just like kill you with scoffs. Mm-hmm. And so it was like you're looking. I mean, so many. I, you, know, you see, even uh, at my kids' age now, where people are just scanning for vulnerabilities. Hmm. You know, but but Kevin would Kevin would come in and say, "Listen, Coda is not a proper Zeppelin record, mm-hmm. but it does have some cool tracks, so it's so it's okay. But what you need to start with is presence." And I'd be like, okay. Okay, got You're not ready for in through the outdoor yet. I'm like, all right, sure, sure, sure. Presence. And you know, Ke- but Kevin that had, cover was so weird. Do you remember the cover? And yeah, that's that's like, gotta be hypnosis that did that. It's such a seventies rock album cover. Where they didn't even talk to the band. They were like, We have this odd photograph. Can we use it? Well, again, wizards, right? Yes. I mean, no, no, no. I totally see. I totally know what you. I know exactly what you mean. And and like the the thing is, this continued for a while. This is gonna sound silly, but into the eighties with the like Oh Motley Crew, they've yeah, got that, Moonwalk, that, that, right? It was cartoony then. It was it, no, that's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. By then, you couldn't pull that off. But let's remember, we got what, what we got going here. We got Satanism. We got D and D, and we got nuclear war. We had a lot oh, going on at our time. Also, sci-fi, right? Because we just we had just been to the moon, mm. and now we had a rocket ship that looked like a jet airplane, mm-hmm. and we were still just in the tail end of that. Like anything is possible. Anything can happen. Maybe we're going to go to the we're we're going to go to the space all the time, and in space, maybe we're going to find some dragons or a girl with a, a glowing uh, green slime orb. Oh man! That or maybe that, was, that, guy, that green lady from Star Trek. Yeah, right. Wow. It's all still out there. It yeah. wasn't until the late 80s that we realized, oh, we're not. There's no, nothing. No, that's a, just a branding choice. Yeah, we're just But no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. underwriting what you said, which was I w- when I went to the mall, there was, mm. there's two of everything, right? You got a Walden Books and you got a Bedalton. You got, mm. a, you got a record bar and a Camelot. They're on the two mm. ends of the mall, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. at least in our malls in Florida. And I would go through and I would look at every album in the rock section every time I went. And I would acquaint myself. Well, it was a single story. It was was Florida. You know, there was water table issues. So, but but no, I would go and I would pretty much at least once a month go through every album in the rock section, Mm -hmm. flip, 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 flip. I would see, you know, of course, here's all the the Kiss cutouts. They still can't get rid of those. But like, I would just sit there and I would pour over, especially some of those albums. It was like finding a Playboy Junior. To like yeah, be able to go in there and look at these 
these albums that were not for me. Even the Kiss albums, which was, I mean, most Kiss fans were 12. But still, you look at the cover of like Rock and Roll Over or Destroyer. What's happening on the cover of Destroyer? That's not safe. No, it's you not. You know what I'm saying? No, they're flames and stuff or, 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 or dragons or demons. So I don't remember. He's prepping you for presents but my sister, through My Coda. sister actually worked at yeah. Robert Joe's, which was the, uh, the, the extremely cool record store in Anchorage. And she, she got a job there because when she was 12 years old, mm-hmm. she was there at the store. She would have her, our mom drop her off at the record store. Like she didn't even want to go to the mall. It was a freestanding uh, mm-hmm. brick and mortar enterprise. Mm-hmm. She didn't want to go to her friend's house. She didn't want to go to Chuck E. Cheese. She would say, "Drop me at the record store and come pick me up in three hours or something." You know, like she'd spend the afternoon there. Mm-hmm. And so the staff of the record store, who were all twenty-one, um, had this twelve-year-old girl that was just there all day looking at records. And eventually, they said, "Do you want a job?" And she was like, yes. And so they gave her a job stocking. And then pretty soon she was, um, you know, she was running the cash register and she, she was too young to, I mean, she had to have my mom sign off on it. And even then she was too young to have a job, I think. But like 12, 13, 14, 15, my sister, by the time she was 15, she was running the store. And that's amazing. That is very high status. It was super high status, and but the problem was I didn't recognize it. I would go in and stand there and be like, you know, because mom would say, go pick up your sister because Susan couldn't drive. And I'd go stand in the record store drumming my fingers like, come on, let's go. And like every cool kid in the city is in there, and I'm just like, oh, you nerds with your <laughs> your, you <laughs> your know, denim like, jackets and whatnot. Your funky <laughs> shirts. I mean, like, get me out of here. Right. But, you know, of course, I wasn't a jock either. I wasn't in anything. I was just like, I was just exasperated by everything. But Kevin was the one who said, start with the first Rush album, Rush. The, the, John, the, John, Rutt, album. the John Rutsey one. Yeah. Hmm. And I was that's like. That's the one with Working Man, right? That's the one with Working Man. And the thing about the first Rush album is there's no. Uh, there are no wizards at all. It's just straight ahead Canadian rock and roll. It just sounds like it just sounds like Triumph. It sounds like it doesn't even sound like Zeppelin. There aren't even any hobbits in it. It just huh. sounds like down and down and down and down. It's like it's like rock. It's and it's a great record. Well, they were. I mean, I, I have not spent a lot of time with that album to be honest, but I know from many, many, many documentaries of Rush that I have watched that they were heavily in the thrall of Led Zeppelin. Mm, yes, but they they were, but they didn't yet have. I mean, this is perhaps why they got another drummer mm-hmm. later on who had some lyrics. <laughs> they didn't have a ton of like uh, they didn't they didn't know exactly how what they were going to be all about. Yeah, right? like they didn't have a theme. Neil Peart had had some had some ideas he needed to get off his chest. He but, surely did. <laughs> but at the in those early how days, a, how could such a smart man write such dumb lyrics? <laughs> he's you ever seen him in an interview? He's so smart. Yeah, he's extremely. He's smart. really he, smart. And but, he's li- he's lived. I mean, he's had some. He's had some tough. Oh tough my life. god, I know. But he's he's a little bit like a the Brad Bird version of Ayn Rand in yeah. some ways, like. It's like, mm, it's just not, it has not aged. It really has not aged well. No, but didn't but, he, he lost his wife and his daughter yeah, on separate did. occasions, right? 
He did, yeah. Oh God! Can't but so imagine. here's here's a here's a little bit of a track listing. First of all, uh, first of all, the first Rush album only has eight songs on it, and that's because there are fully two songs that are over seven minutes long. Mm. Um, but the, here are the titles: "Finding My Way." Mm-hmm. Now that's not about a Hobbit finding its way to Mordor. It's about a, a young guy finding his way. Okay. In the world, uh, need some love, mm. which is about needing some love. Okay. Uh, take a friend, which is about uh, taking a friend. <laughs> the friend is not a hobbit. Nope. You're not uh, in the then, Shire. There's a then there's a long song called Here Again, uh, which is seven minutes thirty seconds long, and that is just about being a long song. Okay. <laughs> then you flip it over side two. <laughs> track uh, five. There's a track five that is called What You're Doing. Okay. And that's a song that's wondering what you're doing. And, and you know, I couldn't tell you. Uh, I'm not as I don't know as much about this album as you clearly do. But mm-hmm. I can already hear the song called "What You're Doing" mm-hmm. in my head, and it's basically uh, just a, a slightly up tempo shuffle, <laughs> isn't it? It's going to be kind of like a junga dunga junga dunga junga. What you doing? It's before. Now this is also before he went super high. He was high, but he hadn't gone to the crazy highness of later on, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, he, the thing is, he's, I mean, he got silly the, high uh, in the in the uh, you know uh, before and after twenty one twelve is when he got into the like the like oh my god like you know you're making cats cry. But you know, Brad Delph was over there getting so high. That guy could sing. He sung really he high. He was terrific. Um, this is but, the okay. singer of the band Boston. That's right, the Boston. But uh, so uh, what you doing? What you doing? What's doing? Definitely an up tempo shuffle. <laughs> and then the next song is called "In the Mood," hmm, which is uh, also a later Led Zeppelin song on uh-huh. uh, one of their later albums. It's about uh, being in the mood. Being in the before, mood. Okay. Before and after. Okay. Which is what's, what's sort before of about, and after about? Well, it's about the span of time. Um, <sighs> oh, so there's a know. given event. Well, or just like you or know, a time. You there's a time. To, you have to be consciousness of of uh, of time moving okay. forward from okay. from uh, from one to another pole. Okay, that one's five then, five thirty three. Mm-hmm. And then the last song, seven mm-hmm. seven minute and seven second song, and I think it was probably that seven minutes and seven seconds yeah. where they were like, "Wait a minute, that's kind of nice. That's a nice symmetry. We should do a record sometime where it's like twenty one minutes and twelve seconds, mm. and it would be like also." Really cool. I didn't know you knew so much about Rush, and that's the song yeah. you track eight seven oh seven working man. That's why they call him. They call him the working. That's why. And what? And just so, just I, I, I know this, but just so our listeners know, what is the song working man about? The song "Working Man" is about uh, the struggle of working and being a working man, just a regular. It's, you're saying man. it's about a man who works or has yeah, worked, right? And it's not, you know, it's not enough to work. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's uh, there's more to it than that. You know what okay. I mean? Yeah. Uh, see, yeah. he gets up. The working man gets up at seven. Okay. And he goes to work at nine. That's, you know, he Pour, spends, pours himself a cup of ambition. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. He, he tumbles down the stairs. Uh, uh, <laughs> tumbles, stum- yeah. stumbled down the stairs, tumbled <laughs> to the kitchen. <laughs> Woke up, got out of bed. I'm a working uh, so, man but in he's my got, head. The thing is, although he has two hours between when he gets up and when he goes to work. <laughs> he reads the papers. Well, but the thing is, he says, I've got no time for living because he's working all the time. Oh, take what they're giving because I'm working for a living. Got it. Exactly, okay. Exactly. All right. right. I got it. And the thing is, <laughs> I found that in Marvin, Marvin Barry. <laughs> <laughs> Marvin. 
<laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by DoorDash. Download the DoorDash app and use the promo code SUPERTRAIN for $5 off your first order. Hey, long day at work, tough day at school? Maybe you're still stuck at the office? Oh no, well, treat yourself to the meal that you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash because DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering is easy. You just open that DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash, there are over 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities, so you might find a new favorite in there too. With door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada, order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and the Cheesecake Factory. Don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. Right now, listeners to Roderick on the Line can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code SUPERTRAIN. Yes, it's correct. $5 off your first order. All you got to do is download that app, get the DoorDash, and use the uh, uh, promo code SUPERTRAIN. Promo code SUPERTRAIN for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Go get some food. Just do it. Tell them we sent you. Our thanks to DoorDash for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. Uh, okay. uh, so, we him, say it's about a man who works. <laughs> the, the, point. It seems to the working man that he uh-huh. could live his life Save a lot me. better than you think he does. <laughs> And that's the that's the uh-huh. crux of it. Right? Okay, all right, all right. So we so now we have made it through uh, uh, the, the I don't know how many albums they have. But we've gone through the 1974 self-titled album by the Canadian band Rush. Rush, <clears throat> right? Okay. Um, so the thing is, he he likes to he, he's Canadian. Yeah. So he gets home at five. He he gets himself a nice cold beer. Mm-hmm. But he's always a Molson, wondering, a Molson Canadian. Yeah. He's always wondering why there's nothing going down here. Ooh. Because it's just, I mean, this is this is Bob and Doug McKenzie music. Um, oh, right. So it's a be- it's a beauty way to go. It is beauty. Uh, there's no point in steering now. Hmm. Eh? Hmm. But the problem <laughs> the, the, the problem with the working man is at no point in the working man's story or struggle or dramatic arc does there appear a wizard or a hobbit of any kind. Also, there's no real, there's no philosophy here other than that he has a beer and is bored. This is, this, based on your analysis, and thank you for that analysis, I did not know that about these songs. That You've you've taught me a lot already about what's happening on a deeper level with these songs. But I feel like we're still ending it with Working Man. We're still doing a little bit of that John Fogarty roll-up-your-sleeves type situation. Yup, exactamundo. And they love, also in Canada, they love plaid. So this is a this oh, yeah. is a little bit of a plaid shirt song. It's extremely plaid shirt. It's mm-hmm. not plaid shirt like an Ignatius. Not, not, a, not a Pendleton. Not a Pendleton. Nope. It's yeah. not a it's not a hat with ear flaps that you're wearing in Louisiana for some reason. Okay. This is like something else, right? It's uh mm-hmm. well, oh, and this is the other thing. When I go to Canada and mm-hmm. talk to the Canadianies, Canadian Canadians, um, they say typically that up there, uh Rush is just a uh, like a Hesher shit kicker band, mm-hmm. and they are constantly confused about why Americans treat Rush like they're some kind of philosophical, like uh, intellectual band. Yes, we have, we've I think we've we've elevated them in a way. Yeah. Perhaps in their homeland uh, they don't. No, up in Canada, most of the people I know say, um, you know, I was kind of a, I was a nerdy kid. I, you know, I lot, know a lot of nerds. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, even in Canada, um, there are people that are 
I mean, we would think, well, Canada, it's a nation of nerds, but no, no, there are cools up there. Mm -hmm. I mean, they would get eaten alive down here. Oh, hundred percent. But uh, they're the denim crowd up there, and, and you should, my see, you should friend, see their you should see their emo kids. They're adorable. Well, I know, right? They, you want to put them on a keychain? They're so cute. Uh, and so my emo, my eme friends from there say, uh, people that listen to Rush just are bullies and they, they, uh, they beat you up. And mean, mean kids. Mean kids. Ooh. Or tough, tough kids. Like, tough uh, kids. Okay. Like, uh, kind, like, kind of person that set off fireworks in their house. Yeah. The kind, you know, they're like muscle car drivers, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So I was surprised to find that because we do treat Rush like they're very smart down here. Um, it just seems like, uh, seems like smart Smart rock, smirt, smirt rock. Mm -hmm. But I got into that first Rush album because the themes were uncomplicated. And I have to say, it's not only is it good rock music, which it is, but also Alex Lifeson at that point in his career was playing guitar that I could understand perfectly well. Of all of the people, there are many, this is an opinion from me, Merlin Mann, your co-host. This is an opinion. Uh, I think of practically all the people who owe a clear debt to Jimmy Page in their style and approach. Mm -hmm. you, you put in your Ace Freelys, you put in your Alex's Lifeson, all of those. I, I think he is one of the most accomplished at making it into his own thing. Well, so that's Ace the thing. Freely, Ace Freely is just playing Jimmy just Page playing. licks. That's mostly. Right. And, but Alex, you know, as he evolved, <clears throat> he got more and more into a thing where I was like, <sighs> like I'm, I'm, I'm like I'm with you. I'm following along. It's uh, and it, but believe me, it is not at all that I find it uh, unlistenable because I do not. Mm -hmm. I find it very listenable. It can be very busy, but I find it yeah a little fussy, maybe a, a little fussy, a little fussy. Let's let's call it that, or a little hard to mm -hmm. a little hard to get inside. And the thing about you know the thing about Kurt Hammett's playing. Is that I I can get <laughs> it's, no, it's terrible. I can get no purchase there. No, I, can, I cannot get a toehold in what Kurt Hammond is doing. It's like if you gave a guitar to a random number generator. <laughs> he doesn't like, even in, know what mode he's in. Jesus when I, Christ! When I, when I listen to Metallica, fade to black, really? That's your solo. I, I, I am holding on to can, the mountain. Are your cans of, working? Can you hear the rest of the band? <laughs> I'm holding on to the mountain of James Hetfield, right? I've got my feet firmly planted. Yep, yep, yep. I, I have my hands uh, on the rock there, climbing up the the James Hetfield mountain. Yep, yep, and yep. Kurt Hammett is like a <clears throat> is like a wasp trying to. Uh, at, <laughs> He's gonna wasp like, in your shorts. <laughs> and I'm, so I have one hand off the yeah. mountain, just trying to swat yeah, at it, yeah, like yeah, get yeah. get off. But I'm like I'm hanging on the side of a mountain here, like I can't afford this. This this feels like the wasp is just like, and then of course. You know, then there's Lars, mm -hmm. who is who's just like throwing. It's just rocks coming down yeah. that are all, that I also have to dodge, and it's just like God, give me something, anything to work with here mm -hmm. that isn't. Yeah, and that's why Jason Newstead was such an important per person to me. But let, let's leave him behind for a moment. Okay, okay. That uh, that Rush record established me firmly, uh, both feet planted in Rush, and also despite the lack of Wizard content. Also, wait for it. Yeah. Then that is not the record that most of the the Hesher uh, wizard bullies uh -huh. were familiar with. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I had some purchase in a place where I was firmly planted in a rush that not oh, everyone knew. Yes. And this was this was heyday of rush, right? This is the this is moving pictures era. So 
so as Rush became more and more, as everyone was a wizard, mm-hmm. I was able to be, I was able to stand at least somewhere at the party and say, yeah, I'm kind of into their earlier stuff. Oh, that's a good, that, that is a great line. At that it's time, nice. that's a huge line. Nice. And mm-hmm. then, and people were familiar with Working Man because it was, a, you know, it was in that, that uh, it was in the seven minute song pantheon. But I could go, I could go deep on what you're doing. Right. I could oh. go, I could get all the way uh, in, all the way back to, um, to some of that foundational, like, blues jam. Mm. So I, I did quite a bit of, I did quite a bit of uh, playing the tennis racket to, to that early rush. And now, uh, now over the years, <clears throat> I have absorbed so much rush that I can only say that I am uh, 100% pro rush. How interesting that did not go the way I expected. If mm-hmm. we've talked about this band before, I don't remember it. Hmm. I'm sure we have. We must have. But uh, oh, it's going to be so embarrassing. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, <sighs> can I tell you what? Can I tell you why I asked? Yeah. Go. 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 <clears throat> this is what I did last night. I have. So so in the era that you're talking about, uh, which I this is my you know my favorite era of Rush. Like I'm a, I'm a basic bitch. Mm-hmm, I, I, I like I, I I every Sunday morning I listen to Duke by Genesis. And I like I like that period of Rush when they were really good for three albums. No, no, I don't dislike the other things at all. Right? I, I'm familiar with a fair amount. Not a big fan of Caress of Steel, but, but, but I am solidly in the camp. When I got Rush and Rush made sense to me, it was the period of uh, Permanent Waves, um, Moving Pictures, and their live album called Exit Stage Left. Uh-huh. Which uh, you know, if you didn't have their old records, you could hear them playing stuff like The Trees. And uh, you know, uh and they they did a lot of really good stuff. Those those albums are great. They're other really good. It's the point being, I knew of and maybe I knew of the Exit Stage Left concert video. Videos uh excerpts from that, I believe were played on MTV. So like when you saw the video for Limelight, I'm pretty sure that's the performance from the Exit Stage Left movie. I'm not sure. Point being, it has been out of print for a super long time. Um, it finally, and I've, I've been looking for it in all my usual, you know, trucks. I've been looking for it in places. Huh. I've been looking for it. Well, you know what? It turns out, turns out there's a pretty good copy of it on YouTube that I was able to obtain for my local viewing. And uh, I watched the Exit Stage Left concert video last night. Oh, isn't that and interesting? And I had the time of my life. I was so happy watching this. They're they're so good, John, and the songs yeah. are so good. And Getty Lee's Getty Lee's doing like four different things all the time, and it's yeah. great. And it's not all just focused. It's not all just jerking off to uh, to to Neil. Now, understandably, no. great drummer. The camera yep. shots were not set up in such a way that they could get every single. You know, you watch those videos of him now, and there's like fourteen different cameras to show his timbales or whatever. He's got. He's yeah. He has a uh, he has a a, a, a splash. He has a splash, splash gong. <laughs> he has a uh, he has a sizzle uh, cymbal gong uh, uh, camera. He's got it all. It's very heavily focused on the two men out front who do rock poses. Yep, and they play and they do some of their long stuff, but yep. they do they do some they do some of the hits and uh, 
it was really fucking good. I'm not sure what my point is, except I stayed up a little late last night. I have a copy if you would like a copy and mm. you can find it on the YouTube. But I, I was so happy to watch this. I hadn't watched it in years. And John, here's the thing. I'm 52. There's right. so much stuff in my life where I revisit something from 30 plus years ago and I go, hmm, yeah, that's, 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 you know, okay. Like, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire hasn't aged super well. Ghostbusters, don't even get me started. Uh, Duke is still good by Genesis. But sometimes I return to something that I haven't spent a lot of time on in 20 or 30 years. I saw Rush live around 8 or 10 years ago, and it was really good. But uh, it was so nice to return to that and go, this is exactly how I remember, and it's exactly as good as I remember. I cannot believe this many years later, I still thoroughly enjoyed this performance. That's all I want to say about that. The thing, the thing that's so impressive is that there are uh, <clears throat> only three of them, and through the magic of Getty Lee being able to play the bass with both his hands and his feet at the same time, mm-hmm. and also somehow be able to play the bass with his feet and his hands and the keyboards at the same time. Important keyboard parts. Which is, uh, which is an ex- astonishing feat that Eric Corson actually adopted during the later years of the long winters. Jonathan we started, used to do that. Jonathan used to yeah. be working every limb. He played the guitar and the keyboard. But Eric and I started doing some shows right before uh, the long winter stopped to doing shows where it was just the two of us. And he was playing the bass with his feet and the and keyboards and guitars with his hands while I was playing uh, the guitar. Mm. Or, or uh, sometimes the piano. And on one song, the drums... We also had drums. So Eric would play the drums while I played the guitar or the piano. It was really fun, and we made a lot of music for just two dudes. (laughs) Partly because Eric was making the music of three dudes and sometimes more. But Getty is playing so much that three people sound like a multi-tracked album, except live. And, you know, and at this point, Alex is playing some uh, some guitar stuff that is uh, th- this is when he this is when he begins to play uh, music that is a little uh, is a little outside of where I'm um, where I'm finding it a uh, 100 percent lyrical. He gets he and, gets re- he gets uh, I'm thinking of Limelight in particular, which has been in my head all morning. He gets he gets supermodal. Well, that's the universal dream. He gets supermodal. There's a lot, but there's, and there's these amazing pull offs. But he also has a way. It would, it would seem heretical at the time to everyone involved to, I imagine, to compare uh, the two great power trios of the time. Um, and to say, as I will, as I will toss out right here, that I think he, his role is very similar in some ways to Andy Summers in The Police. Uh In uh that, he not only has a very distinctive tone, uh, in a very distinctive style, but he has a way of not, he's not, he's not resorting to chords and chunkity chunks. He's doing a lot of interesting stuff, at least in arpeggios, pull-offs. He's not getting in the way of the song, wanking around. He's, 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 everybody's driving the song. There's nobody who's not driving the song forward, but he does that in an unconventionally deft way a lot of the time, I feel. <clears throat> Absolutely. I, I at one point I was I was in a I was in a grouchy mood. Not a grouchy mood. Uh, I don't get in grouchy moods, but in a mood. John, I was everybody mood. has good days and bad days. I was having a day. I don't know what kind of day it was, but I was mm. going through uh, bands. This is on Twitter, of course, and oh, this no. is actually on Twitter. And maybe th- this is the rare occasion where I'm going to say maybe this wasn't during the heyday of Twitter. Maybe this was a little bit later when Twitter was already kind of not. It, was, it had it had already started to become a pain in the ass. Yeah. 
And I, and I, here's, you know, everybody, uh, like John Moe is real famous for like every morning he tries to come up with a meme mm. and sometimes back, back in the old days, sometimes he would get a meme that caught fire. And now everybody does it like, like, uh, try yeah. and caption this video, except wrong answers only yeah, or whatever, yeah. you know, it's just yeah. trying to get something going in the world. Mm-hmm. But I, but I started to say like, well, who's the weakest link? Every band has a weakest link. Who's the weakest link? We know Kurt Hammett is the weakest link in Metallica, even though Lars is mm-hmm. widely regarded as the weak, weakest they, they link. They could add an Airedale to the band and he'd still be the weakest link. <laughs> but every band has a weakest link. Like even the Beatles has a weakest link. As I just said the Beatles have, but the Beatles have. Well, just that, that, that weakest link changed over time. Well, it did, but... You're it, not going to like could, this, but you in can 19, talk about it. In, yeah, 1968, it was John. Uh, it was! I made that exact case. He was and people, really fucking high. People very dumped sad. on me so hard. Oh, you know, come I on. Think, oh, Ringo can't play. Shut up. Fuck you. No, no, Ringo no, even, kept the band together. Even Flansburg came at me. He was like, oh, John Lennon in 68, you mean one of the most legendary performers of all time? And I was like, yeah, and the weakest link in the Beatles in 1968, I'm afraid. 100%. 100%. But so I'm going through, and I said that Alex Lifeson was the weakest link in Rush. Now stipulating, there's got to be one. That's the point. That's the point of the exercise. You may not like the answer, but there must be one. Every classic album has a terrible track. End there of story. Every classic there, album has one, one terrible track. There's yes. one where the band decided they were going to try reggae, right? I mean, for, for 15 <laughs> years, there was one song where the band was going to do a reggae song, and it was yeah. always the worst song on the record. Yep. Except for I Shot the Sheriff, which yeah, is... See, that's a very good song. Yeah, that's a great... The thing is, the song is so great that it can Elton even John. withstand being Elton played John. by Elton John, and he's like, we've seen this guy with diamonds. He has a little, little fucking reggae bit. Right, it's a terrible, terrible version of a, of what is a great song. Yeah, should never cover "Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds." No, going forward. No, but I got a, I got a ton of Rush flack, and this is why I think, you know, I get the reputation of not liking Rush because I have I I am capable of criticizing Rush or offering a critical opinion of Rush. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of Rush purists that will not allow for even I mean Darius. Darius could not hear – he could tell it was Rush just by the sound of the needle in the groove. Like the <laughs> band didn't even need to be playing. It was just like <laughs> – and he's like, it's Rush. And he would knew, he knew the tune, you know. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to listen to me tell him that Alex mm-hmm. Lifeson is the weakest link, right? He, because sure. he, he's, it's one of those things where you're like, there's got to be one. That's the game. We're playing That's a game. game. Who's, and he's like, no, it's impossible. It would be impossible to say. Uh, but I am not, I am, oh, and also because of my contentiousness or whatever, people are, uh, people assume, I think that anti-Rush is a kind of, I don't know. I don't understand how anybody could be pro-music and anti-Rush. Well, there's I mean, so much it's, music there. And I don't know. I mean, there, I think there's all kinds of ways that that's, and I, I'm not, I'm not trying to sound sensitive about this because you know, people should like what they like, but it, it is one of those. I don't, I don't even know how many bands I do this with, but you know, it, it would be like what, like Fish or Dream Theater or Tool, who apparently has a new album or mm. even Rage Against the Machine. Like there are bands where it's really easy to just go, Pfft, I think. And mm-hmm. it's, it's an easy, Pfft, if you ask me, because, you know, I don't I don't love all those bands, not a fan of Tool, but like, you know, people like that. But I think Rush is one of those bands where it's easy to go. Pfft. Yes. Well, uh, one time many years ago, uh, I uh, wrote a review of Tool 
at Bonnaroo for CMJ magazine. Uh, um, we thought you'd be safe. I did. Uh, and um, <laughs> they'll never, never find this. <laughs> First, they'll have to learn to read. Well, no, but I mean, I, I don't even know how to make fun of Tool. Aren't they? Are, it's that it's that got one guy, and it's really, really complicated, like deliberately overcomplicated, like heavy prog rock. Uh, what I said about it was, uh, you know, they put on a very interesting show where Maynard uh, Ferguson Maynard. plays the entire show in silhouette, at least when I saw them. Mm-hmm. They're, they're backlit. And so it's very dramatic. You just see him, uh, you just see like the, uh, the uh, clip art version of him. Uh, but they're but they play like uh, pretty intense vivisection videos of animals being yes. I don't know what uh, experimented on, you know it's the nine inch nails mm-hmm. thing except it was like whoa and so watching it I was not a member of it and so I sort of just reported on it and maybe with a, with a lot of snark spin, mm-hmm. um, but did I get? Uh, blown? Did I get? Let's see. Uh, what? What would you call it? Uh, oh, did you get? Did somebody blow up your spot? Not somebody. Yeah, canceled. Six hundred furious Tool fans. Fans of Tool. Uh, who didn't? Who wanted to explain to me that Maynard was mm-hmm. ma- was a prophet and okay. one of the smartest men who ever walked see, the planet? See, I don't. I don't know how you could miss that. How you could be so good about understanding the first Rush album and understand that uh, what's his name, Maynard G. Krebs, that that he yeah. that he is a prophet. Well, uh, this is this is. Did you learn your thing. lesson from that, John? Um, I did. Did they put you I, in your place? The lesson that I learned was: <laughs> do not cross Tool fans, and also, <laughs> I don't have enough investment in not liking Tool. <laughs> I know that I'm yeah. going to put myself at that much risk. Oh God, I already regret this. So even <sighs> saying the word, so what I did was I stopped saying the word Tool or having any take on Tool, uh, because I realized that Tool fans. Uh-huh just are not are not into that i mean rush fans at least you can you can get at you can tease them for being canadian um but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. but tool fans they're not you know they're out there they're building uh they're building machines in their garage that are going to put my eyeballs <laughs> on a, in a frying pan what band are they listening to while doing it? <laughs> tool okay <laughs> Oh no, this is terrible so we're going to have to bleep all of this and just drop in the word implement I got out of there, and also, you know, mm. when Tool when Tool put out that uh, record that had a tool on the cover that uh, that looked like a PP. Oh, um, hmm. I at, when that was all happening, I was sort of I, so I was in a band briefly in 1991 with a guy who had long <laughs> hair except he shaved the sides. Oh yeah, that was a look. Yeah, and he shaved yeah, yeah, the yeah. sides like, like he's in some kind of slamming British industrial band that kind of look right 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 so he shaved the sides up up pretty high and so when he had his hair down he and he just kind of looked like a greasy haired guy that you could see his ear long haired guy you could see his ears Mm -hmm. but when he pulled it up then he had that um you know yeah he looked like he listened to skinny puppy (laughs) while he was while he was making love (laughs) which let me tell you is not uh, it's not how i uh, remember fetus Fetus on the wheel. Foetus. foetus. You've got fetus on your breath. (laughs) (laughs) It's so, them and ministry and all those bands, they were so serious. They seemed so serious. Serious, perhaps, in the way that this Satanist and and the Wizard Rockers seemed. They seemed very serious and very worked up about something. (laughs) 
they're, they're very worked you, up. If you want to hear serious, yeah, I I lived with a I lived with a, a guy. He's dead now, but oh. he was. Um, yeah, I know what happened. So when when I you keep, live, I keep trying to elevate the show, and you keep bringing me down with all these these you, bodies. When you, when you live, when you live as as long as we have, yeah. oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's a few along. There's the way. There's gonna be a body count. Yeah, but uh, we we were roommates. This was a. Uh, this was at a time he he made a room. We were living in a house that had like nine bedrooms, but there were 14 people living there. And he made a room in the living room out of milk crates that he had uh, that he'd stolen from the back of the supermarket. Hmm. And it was a full on room like you would walk in the front door and there was a the, he made the, a milk crate room. It's like it's like Minecraft. Like he made a milk crate right. room. There would have been a large living room there, okay. but instead you walked in, there was still like a, a, a nice hallway, except one of the walls was made out of milk crates all the way to the ceiling. And you could see through because they're milk crates, but you couldn't really see all oh, like, the way. Like a, like a, like a translucent tiles in a bathroom. Exactly. Like mm-hmm. you knew he was in there or he wasn't, you knew mm-hmm. stuff was going on or it wasn't, but you couldn't really like, you couldn't pick out anything because they were the, they were the milk crates that were. It's, it's like a, it becomes like a razzle dazzle living room. Right. It was a little razzle dazzle. Mm-hmm. And then you would turn the corner around the corner of his milk crate room. And then it, it opened up into the dining room, which became the living room. And he had created, and then there was a door in his milk crate room. Like he was a genius, <laughs> but he had a prong tattoo <laughs> for the band prong. <laughs> and it took up his entire back. Oh no. It was a prong tattoo that went from his waistband to his, uh, but to the nape of his neck. That's a big tattoo. It was a really big, especially for the Oof. time. Yeah, 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 yeah. For uh, sure. Which was, you know, like, and prong was one of those things where it was like, are they joking mm-hmm. or are they serious? Yeah, and- yeah. I mean, there's, there's like you take like a like a Leibach. It became a funny thing to buy me for birthdays and Christmas. My roommates would always buy me a Leibach album, and, and one could never tell how serious Leibach was. And people would say, "Well, Leibach, you know, they're not actually fascists. They're having fun with the idea of fascism. They're actually an anti-fascist <laughs> band." Right, 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 right. But right, uh, right. you know, but I'm not sure everybody who bought Life is Life, which is a color a cover of a very silly pop song. I mean, they covered Let It Be all the way through. And people were still like, I don't know. These guys are pretty – these are bad news. You don't want to mess with these guys. Look at those mustaches. But they, but you're right. But you're right. You know, or consolidated. I mean, how many bands are there like this where, like, people took them extremely seriously? I don't think – do I know Prong? I feel like I remember the name Prong. I don't think you get a Prong tattoo oh, all, all over your back if oh. you think Prong is joking. There's, really, like, there's no such thing as an ironic tattoo if you really think about it. Hmm, interesting. Well, you know, that girl... Because she can take off who, an ironic who, shirt. The girl, Stephanie, who booked the first Long Winter sh- uh, show on our first tour there in Milwaukee, she had a uh, Juggalo tattoo. She had a couple of Juggalo tattoos that okay. at the time, uh, in 2001, she claimed were ironic <laughs> Juggalo tattoos. And I was like, Stephanie, they're just full-on Juggalo tattoos. There's, it's yeah, like hatchet man. Is whatever and it is. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, <clears throat> are you yeah. a Juggalette? And she would say, no, are you kidding? No. Yeah, uh, I just that's think fun. they're... I just think they're fun, and yeah. I just think they're great. And good for, and, uh, her. Good for her. That's. A- and I was like, whoa, okay, okay. all right. Uh, but you know, like, like Killing Joke, right? I mean, Killing Joke. Oh yeah, but that they're having fun. Great, they're having fun, right? But you don't. And if you got a Killing Joke tattoo, you would know it was fun. Mm-hmm. But I don't. But Prong, you know, oh. there were plenty, plenty of serious, plenty of people that yeah. thought that was serious, and plenty of people that thought Tool was serious. Anyway, I was in this band, and we were making music. 
that involved a lot of uh, a lot of consumption of illicit substances, and then he and I and the and a drum machine and another dude would sit. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! The drum machine gets higher billing than the other dude. Yeah, it was drum machine. Well, the drum because the other dudes showed up about seventy percent of the time. Okay. But, it was it, the it, drum it, machine. You got an echo in the Bunny Man situation. The drum machine was more reliable. <laughs> the drum machine was always there. Okay. And it was really the only thing that kept us together. Now, we were living in a house at that point. I wasn't actually living there. But this house that we, uh, that we uh, had, actually, the, the roommate in that situation was uh, a guy by the name of Gordon, who uh, Gordon was in the band Sky Cries Mary. Okay. And Gordon was, um, you know, he Sky Cries Mary was a sort of gothy. They were, they were, they were what you would call a uh, velvet and paisley band. Mm. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and uh, they had, you know, they had long. Were they hair. heavy? Oh yeah. I mean, but, was it, were, but not as not as not like a Red Cross, not like a silly no, kind. Of. No, no, no. They were jammy. Okay. Um, you know, okay. they were Sky Crazy Mary. They were, you know, they American had American psychedelic rock group yeah, from that's Seattle. Right. Okay. Psychedelic. That's what Roderick Wolgamott. So that was the, the lead singer, Roderick. What and a so great name. In Seattle for a long time, yeah. if people said Roderick, see now, <gasps> now in Seattle, if people say Roderick, they mean me. Yeah, sure. But in the early nineties to the, uh, they, they meant, uh, Roderick from the Sky Cries Mary. And then there was a period in the late nineties where it wasn't clear which Roderick they were talking about him or me oh, man. because he, Sky Cries Mary was kind of in the, in the, I've, I've heard the, I've heard the name of that band. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, Roderick, but he still had a lot of, you know, he still had a lot of time, uh, uh, like, um, he had a lot of time on the ground here, mm-hmm. and I was sort of the new guy coming up. And so right. somebody would say, like, oh, I was talking to Roderick. And it was like, which one? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Sky Cries Mary. So Gordon <clears throat> was in Sky Cries Mary. Now, he wasn't a founding member, but, you know, he was um, he was, he was was rocking and rolling. Gordon went to New York. So he lived there, and he was the guy that kept coming out of his bedroom, like, all bleary-eyed. Like, Wait a hey, minute. John you- and Ken had have been in this band? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Everybody's been in Sky Cries Mary. Okay. Uh, wow. Joe, Joe Bass, who went on to be the wonderful bass player of the Posies, he also is dead now. Okay. Uh, mm. But Joe Bass played on the first Long Winters record. He's the bass player on the first Long Winters record. Joe Bass was longtime bass player of Sky Cries Mary. Okay. Uh, mm. But also, like, he played on Frosting and the Beater. I mean, he played on all those Posies records. Uh, and his, you know, he, he was, a, he was instrumental in the Seattle scene. And, and, uh, and uh, when he passed, it was, it was tragic. It was, it was when Dryas passed, it really was like an explosion, explosion in our little world. Hmm. Joe, Joe was, Joe was dying for a long time. So we, oh, so God. we had, we had time to process it. Anyway, <sighs> Gordon used to come out of his room and say, Hey, can you guys like, maybe like, I don't know, man, practice later or something. Cause we're in the living room, like going, with the drum machine going, <laughs> and we were going, that'll go right through a milk carton. You did electro Wookie rock. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, we were called, can you do that sound again? We were, we were called King Nilla. 
because one time we were uh, we were on substances. We were sitting around, and mm-hmm. somebody reached. We were we were passing around a box of Nilla wafers, and somebody pulled out a Nilla wafer that was like twice the size of a normal Nilla wafer, and we were like, "Oh, dude, it's the king of all Nillas, <sighs> King Nilla. That's us. Mm-hmm. We're King Nilla." So King Nilla was practicing. Gordon would come out and say, "Oh, dudes, can you just like I don't know, man." It's your whatever you're doing. It's like really repetitive, and right now I'm just really. Also, I sometimes was the singer of King Nilla. Yeah, that was during my wizard phase. Gordon, uh, uh, Gordon Raphael was his name. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, Gordon, a lot, of pa- lot of past members, according to the Internet Science page. Gordon produced the first Strokes record. Huh? Yeah. Huh. Let that. Let that sink into your brain for just a second. Uh, Gordon gave the Strokes their sound. Yeah, right. Do you remember how popular they were for a while? Oh, do I? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, yeah. Right, they, right, right before 9-11, because, I remember, because they had to take that uh, New York City Cops song off the record. Hmm. New York City Cops. Yeah. That whole sound, the whole concept of the lead singer singing through a, like a Colin Malloy megaphone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> money machine, counterfeit money machine. Uh, that's Gordon Raphael. That's Gordon Raphael. Yeah, who was like, who was not the biggest fan of of King Nilla, but was oh. uh, in Sky Wait, wait, wait. Is, 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 is Gordon the one behind the milk crates? No, 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 no. That's the dude. Uh, that's the that's, dude. That's your band. That's your co-bander. Uh, no, he was. He and I were never in a band. Oh, he was just the guy that lived behind the milk crates out of the pond. Oh, I see. Now, Sorry, there's, at, a, there's a lot of pieces on the board, and I, I well, just don't no, want to miss anything. All these guys are dead now. Oh, Jesus. He, Come on, John. From I know you haven't had enough good non-crumb coffee, but you got to stop bringing me down, man. It's I mean, Labor Day, for God's sake. The thing is, I, I what people don't understand is that yeah. I that I the, the before I started doing this show, I lived an entire life already. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> you lived at least a life, uh, what, at least one and a half lives, maybe two. <laughs> and, uh, and and some of the many people I I ran into a girl at a coffee shop the other day, and we just sat around talking about the people that we knew in common that were dead. Oh my god! Yeah, I know, right? Oh, and we're no. young. We're still young people. They put, died. And, put it, they put died. aside the alienation. Get on with the fascination, the real relation, the under, underlying theme. The underlying theme. The real relation, the, the underlying thought. theme. You know? I've never been good at that, at taking a word and turning it into a three-syllable word. Taking yeah. in, taking a normal word and turning it into multiple syllables. I'm not that. Elliot Smith was great at that. He would take a word and just like, oh, hey, my God. put as many syllables in it as he wanted. And we loved them all. <sighs> we did. We never want to cover all. Elliot Smith. You know well, what I'm saying? you know that's you're not supposed to. But the, <laughs> I but ran the across. Where did you say that? You said that somewhere. Was that on Twitter recently? Yeah, it was on Twitter recently. What'd you now do, Ricardo? Twi- pictures of me? What'd you do? Pictures of me. Ah, yeah. oh, such a good song. And you're not supposed to do it. Uh huh. You're not supposed to do it, but I risky, risky. Uh, but we did it, and it was and it was cathartic for us. I mean, you, you, the thing about Elliot Smith is you're trying to find catharsis. Well, that's the that, thing is he's what, what do we say? Do we say this about him? He's rocking at half speed, like he um, like when you get to you get to that last the last verse of Pictures of Me, and that's a I mean outside Heat Miser, I, I, I'm I can pull this out of my ass, but outside Heat Miser, that is as rocking out mostly as he gets. He's so sick and tired of all these pictures of me, and like but you could feel that like he's ready to blow kind of feeling. You know what I mean? 
That's yeah. such a good song. Oh my god. Well, but the problem is he's willing to blow, but when he blows, it's just going to be his own head off. Bo- right? Oh my god! I would have gone with bottle up and explode, but Jesus, John, Alan Smith's never going to. Are you ever? Are you ever going to put aside the alienation? No, I can't. You can't, can't. get on with the fascination until you well, put aside the alienation. What I'm trying to do is have alienation and fascination simultaneously, because I do want to get on with the fascination, <laughs> but I can't put aside <laughs> before we have any more deaths on the record <laughs> <laughs> oh jiminy cricket 